0: This podcast is called Obsessed, Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest, get some secrets off their chest, you should listen, it's the best! Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw, I'm sitting in my home with the co-host of this podcast, it's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello! Hello, how are you in our home?
1: Um, I'm, I'm doing great.
0: (laughs) How do you feel our home is doing?
1: (laughs) I feel like our home, you know, it's doing well, it's, um... (laughs) Yeah. No, you know, I think it's the, the home has also had to adapt to COVID. Oh, yeah. And the fact that I'm here a lot more because I've been telecommuting a lot. Yeah. And so I think the home also is like, hey, what's this? More humans, more stuff, um, more paper bags because we're not allowed to reuse um, our own bags at the grocery store. So, you know, I feel like our home's adjusting.
0: Yeah, 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 you know, I like this a lot because I have a stand-up joke that I've done uh, for several years now. If our home was haunted and I heard a, a voice say, get out, it would mean it in a positive, supportive way, <laughs> like I should get out and experience the world. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I love thinking of that, of our poor apartment haunted by a ghost. So, like, normally they leave and I can watch whatever I want. <laughs> I right? flip to this sports channel and I watch golf or whatever weird thing the spirit wants to watch. Mm-hmm. Not like golf is weird, but you know what I mean.
1: But Uh, we don't normally have golf on the TV. Yeah.
0: I mean, because I work from home, I spent a decent amount of time here anyway. But now that there are two of us here, uh, uh, almost always Mm -hmm. the poor spirits of our apartment. Yeah.
1: Get out. Get
0: out. (laughs) Clean up after yourselves. (laughs) Take some responsibility. (laughs) Anyway, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, our motivational ghost share its thoughts with us. Uh, We're going to dive into a weird thing that I am obsessed with. Uh, Because, you know, the podcast evolves. It changes a lot over time, starting way back when in Minneapolis at the Bryant Lake Bowl. so always live and, and moved here to Los Angeles. And it's been one-on-one with lots of different people. And then for the last uh, several months now, uh, during the old pandemic times, during the, the current troubles, uh, we've been doing it one-on-one. So we've been doing lots of different topics, sometimes just like a fun pop culture thing, sometimes a topic that one of us is truly obsessed with. And this is a, a concept that I'm obsessed with. This didn't come up that often when I did podcasts with, you know, a different guest every week. And I'd ask them what they're obsessed with. Usually it would come back like inactivity or a piece of art, but rarely just a concept. Mm-hmm. A couple of good ones like fear. That's one of my favorites. Fear with <laughs> Kim <laughs> Evie. Check it out. <laughs> Way back in the library. Uh, but this is a thing that has been on my mind a lot, and it is the general idea of competition. And uh I I have caveats, as I often do, <laughs> at the beginning of the podcast. Um so here's here's my thesis. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh share with you what I've been thinking about and get your general thoughts, Sarah, and then we'll dive into a deeper conversation. So I think Competition itself is, of course, natural. It's fun in terms of a conflict in stories or in quiz shows or sports or whatever. It is natural for us as humans to be really engaged by competition. Uh, And I don't, I really want to make it clear, I'm not criticizing anyone for enjoying anything. I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, sports or, you know, ranking movies, which is the best, or spelling bees or quiz shows or anything that revolve around competition. By themselves, I do not think that they're bad and anyone shouldn't like or enjoy them. But I think all told, all of these things and so many more combined uh, get to this point where so much of our culture is framed around competition that I think it starts to make us see everything in a winner versus loser paradigm. Sometimes when we're not even fully consciously aware that that is the way we are processing it. And I think eventually looking at so many things through a winner and a loser paradigm starts to affect uh, our empathy. It starts to affect the nuance of the way that we look at things. And I think then ultimately can really start uh, affecting our self-worth as well. Mm -hmm. If everything you look at is, in every little moment of my life, am I the winner or the loser? Because that's the binary, and that's the way it is, mm-hmm. I think is troublesome to me. And some of these thoughts came from, and I'm sure we'll touch on it as we go uh, throughout the podcast, some of it uh, came from me with a lot of things we've been discussing that are going on in the world of things like kind of just forming teams, so much, so much of the us versus them, like mask people versus not mask people should not be a competition. It's a competition in which there is no winner, right? And why we can't have more empathy. And and I look at things like how much is framed on I'm right or you, or you are wrong. I'm the winner. You are the loser. Mm-hmm. And how much it's seeped in, into culture. And mm-hmm. that's where it came from. And that's why I keep kind of turning it around and around in my head. So that's my general thesis. <laughs> my general <laughs> obsession, thought. What, is, what are your thoughts or reactions to
1: that? Yeah. So I I actually have have a lot and oh, um, should have should have brought a little notepad over here next to me so I should, could jot things down to remember. So I'll be like, oh, wait, and that. <laughs> this is um, the second
0: podcast I've done this week where the person I'm doing it with said, um, I should have taken more notes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think you should take that as a compliment. It's, oh, thanks. Uh That's how, it's certainly how I mean it. Um, it just... I have a lot of I have a lot of thoughts and I don't trust my brain to hold on to all of them. I think we're all like so, that right now. Yeah. Um I mean I think overall certainly I live with you so I know that some of these things have been on your mind and I'll admit that in sometimes similar sometimes different ways they've been on my mind as well but kind of diving diving into some of the heart of what you're saying I think it is it is fascinating as we get into um winners versus losers and one of the first things that came into my head is for a while there was so much um so much chatter about the um like I don't know what it was actually called like the participation award generation right and I feel like that wasn't that long ago which is probably dating me because I probably was long enough ago but I feel like there is such a concern about backlash for that which I don't know that it actually happened that wasn't I I don't really see any effect of that but I think there is such a like everybody wins um which is not exactly the way life always is. And it's almost like it's a weird pendulum swing except they aren't necessarily connected back in the other direction of like everybody's a winner. Every not, not everybody's a winner. <laughs> Some people are winners, everybody else is losers. Yeah. And um I mean in general my my life concept i don't think this will surprise anybody who has listened to me talk on this before that's not how i like to see the world (laughs) (laughs) you like nuance um i like nuance i have liked that you included nuance in uh your opening thesis (laughs) um i think it is really interesting how how it affects our self-worth self-worth um this is the other kind of random example that came into my head so this is not a thesis statement this is a bunch of random examples but to me it even drives down to the point of I feel like there's been a reminder um probably in particular on social media in the last few years of like hey remember you can have hobbies that are just for fun (laughs) like everything that you do doesn't need to be monetized doesn't need to be your new career doesn't need to be only something you do for social media but like hey you want to go take a pottery class just because you want to do something different. That's okay. Like, I feel like we all need a collective. That's okay. You don't have to be the winner. You don't, you know, if you just want to do it for yourself, that's great. Yeah. It's not about winning, but I feel like we're almost in society right now, especially, um, I feel like social media is part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, probably also a lot of the competition, uh, TV shows are part of it, but that just that acknowledgement that you can, it's okay to do something and not be trying to be the winner or the loser.
0: Right. To not always be in competition.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes there needs to be a lot of people who are like, think about a ballet company. You've got the prima, prima ballerina, you know, you've got the soloists, you've got the people who are at the top, and you need those people. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you can't do Coppelia if you don't have the prima ballerina.
0: Everybody knows that.
1: <laughs> I right. know. Um, you know, it's like anything. It's look look at a movie. Like you need to have a lead actor. Uh you can't have all of the extras thinking that they are the lead actor. Right. But you also <laughs>
0: <laughs> Although I would like to see just a little bit of that film, not the entire thing.
1: Right. Just a a, a snippet. Um but you also <laughs> But you also can't have just the lead actor. I mean, you can. It would be a different film though. But if it's something that's created to have a lot of people in it, everybody's done really well to get to be an actor, to get to be, um, you know, maybe you're not the lead actor, but you're one of the supporting roles. Maybe you're not the prima ballerina, but you're in the corps de ballet. Yeah. Like, those are all good, amazing, attainable things. You are a winner. And, you know, maybe these are bad examples because there are auditions where there is a winner and a (laughs) loser. Yeah, But but there's nuance to it.
0: Exactly. Nuance. Thank you. And that's part of what I'm interested in is picking through a lot of these ideas, a lot of the places that competition come up in our world and thinking through. Well, when is it just like, hey, we've we've made the choice to structure things a certain way where a lot of people want to do this thing, but only one person can do it. And so somebody gets the job or they don't. Mm -hmm. And where are things where we have injected competition where it maybe doesn't need to be and have told ourselves, well, that's just the way the world is, Mm -hmm. which is what I feel like that participation trophy thing is about of that. There was like that. But if we tell every kid in kindergarten who went to art class and, you know, who made the best macaroni art, one kid should make the best macaroni art because I just applied for this job and I didn't get it. And if, you know, if I can lose at, you know, being an accountant, my kid can lose at macaroni art and sort Mm -hmm. of imposing the hardships of life (laughs) (laughs) in in places where they don't need to be. But that is, to me, assuming that all of our structures that we get to decide what they are as a society are like that. Mm-hmm. And therefore children need to be prepared for constantly not being rewarded even though what they did, even for something as subjective as macaroni art, mm-hmm. we need to turn that into competition because we're just going to choose to say, because some things like getting a job are unfortunately a competition, then everything is. Yeah. And how, and what does that do to your soul? You know, so yeah. I think I think of that with the participation trophy. And then with uh, I've wrestled this with this a lot on social media. Obviously, it's a thing that that people are very aware of with Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, at least in in the circles that I'm traveling in, I, I uh, on on social media, I see people push back and go, here's my good day. Here's my bad day. Here's my awesome thing that happened. But here's this. Doesn't this photo look glamorous? here's what was actually going through my mind in my life and trying to be a little bit more realistic. But we're Mm -hmm. all aware that you can turn it on and see, look like looks like everybody else is winning at life and you're losing or with the pop culture stuff. I I mean, when I first started doing the star Wars podcast with, uh, with uh, Ken Knapsack and Jennifer Landa, it was just like, great, this is fun. I get to talk about star Wars. And then I became aware that like almost everything that we humans do, there's corners of that uh, the the talking about media world that are super competitive and at first it's like somebody's competing to be the most important at talking about Star Wars how can that how can that be <laughs> but you know it's anything that can be monetized mm-hmm. uh, starts to have value and people start to make you know more money by knowing the most about Battlestar Galactica so then instead of just sitting there and enjoying Battlestar Galactica you start saying do I know the most am I the winner at Battlestar Galactica
1: mm-hmm. yeah and I think it's interesting because maybe this has swung in this direction kind of because we've been in this you know whole new world of what is all the different ways that people can make a living or like you know you think about the things that people can create on Etsy, I mean, create and then sell on Etsy, or things like pop culture talking about it, where in the 80s, not many people were making able to make a living or part of their living talking about pop culture. No. (laughs) Siskel and Ebert. There, that's about it. Whereas now, it actually is a thing. And so I think there is that push-pull of like, oh, wait, you know, I used to, you know, like, I started doing this whatever thing as a hobby, but then it actually turned into something, and oh, like wait, now I can actually be the best at this, or you know, I'm yeah, you know, my yeah. macrame purses can be the best sellers on <laughs> Etsy,
0: yeah, and that that's an arena where an an element, an attitude of competitiveness can sneak into it, and I mm-hmm. want to be clear because I you know uh, invoked my my own podcast like. Ken and I and Jennifer, when when she's able to join us, are really like to stay focused on. We are doing this because we enjoy this, and it's a, and we want to you know have people join our community, and of course you know we want to be able to make money so we can keep doing it because it takes a lot of time and all that. So we try to keep competitiveness out of it, but there's so many things where being competitive can sneak in, and then there are things in life where it's they're structured. So no, it's a winner and loser, Mm -hmm. period. Like America's Got Talent could be. A bunch of people have talent. <laughs> and maybe, you know, you could have people write in for what award they should get and everybody could get a participation trophy. <laughs> but it's because it's more electrifying uh, television and entertainment. It's all about winning and losing. Yeah. It, so there's there's things just in our day-to-day life where we can uh, feel competitive, but we can successfully go, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let this thing be a competitive thing. I'm going to choose it. But there's still that air of competitive. Mm-hmm. But then there is so much that is like, there's no nuance. It's a structure that has been created to reinforce winning and losing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and I agree with, I think, one of the things that you said. Like, I, I have no problem with with that. I mean, I'd be like, yeah, let's have a show for that. Or, you know, that's how sports are set up. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody wins the World Series, usually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I, I think it's, to me, the part that's interesting is kind of, I think, what you were just pulling on is how much does it spread into other parts of our lives, intentionally or unintentionally? Yeah. You know, like, people are at home baking bread, uh, you know, when they're safer at home, and is that a competition? And <laughs> does it doesn't need to be. Like, did somebody else make prettier bread or yeah. better tasting bread? Yeah. Um, And to... To me, to my insight, that's where it starts to get a little bit more unhealthy. And, and if you enjoy the competition, that's great. I, I think to me, it's like if it makes you feel less good about yourself or your bread in this example, because somebody else's bread was prettier or probably tasted better, but we can't taste it because we're all staying <laughs> safer at home. Um, and it's just something you're doing for some fun. Does that, how, how does it affect people's enjoyment of life or sense of self? Yeah. To me, that's where it gets tricky and complicated and i'm making little hand gestures at my you know sternum for those of you who can't see <laughs> me which is none of you except for joseph
0: <laughs> i see that Thank uh, you.
1: but um because i'm feeling like it's complicated it is um, complicated and so you're I'm making complicated out the nuance little in front little of motions your, up here you're,
0: you're like a squirrel with a little nuance nut <laughs> turning around in front of your just a little
1: nuance puzzle <laughs> and i want to figure it out
0: yeah i think There is and then we'll dive into some specifics uh, because I think we can get into uh, sorting out some of these ideas, at at least for ourselves. And again, not I'm not criticizing any one person or any group or any activity. It's Mm -hmm. more the overall impact. But like with your bread example, there could be a world where somebody just makes bread and they set that challenge for themselves. Let's say they want to make a kind of bread they never had and they want to make it as pretty as they can. And they set that goal for themselves. That's not what I'm talking about. I think, and I know that for a lot of people, that's what competition is. It's about you and you alone and it's bettering yourself. And I think that's great. And I've got zero concern about that. Mm -hmm. So you could do that and just say, I'm going to challenge myself to make the most beautiful, tasty bread that I've never made. Yeah. But then you can also choose to like enter an online competition or start one. And then it makes me, and what bothers me is this idea of you could make the most beautiful, tasty bread that you've ever made. But maybe a bunch of people vote online and you lose. Mm-hmm. Does your bread suddenly not have value?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and that's the 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 uh, moments where it seeps into us and it becomes all or nothing. And it the thing that you did that truly has value for you, you don't feel good about because it doesn't matter unless you win. Mm-hmm. No participation trophies. Yeah. Don't just enjoy your macaroni art. <laughs> some other kid had to lose for your macaroni art to be good. That's what I'm worried about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, let's dive into some specifics. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, when do you remember the idea of competition coming into your life? And I realize that's not going to be an immediate like, ah, yes, February 7th. Like, <laughs> But just going back to your youth, what are your like earliest memories of being aware that that is a, <laughs> not like you would have thought of this. That, that is a way that we structure human interaction
1: yeah um so I this is definitely not the earliest one but it has been coming up in my mind because you keep bringing up macaroni art so I just have to share <laughs> can't stop <laughs> so uh, when I was in second grade I uh, we were doing pi- tissue paper art where you you know like take we we're making flowers I think okay we are given little squares of tissue paper or Maybe we had to cut them up, I don't know, and make flowers and wrap them on the end of a pencil. And then you stick the tip of it in glue and then you make little flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember that my teacher, who was a fairly harsh teacher, um liked I did not win any trophies nobody lost a tissue paper art okay although um (laughs) some people didn't like the colors they were because we all just given a stack of colors okay um and but that well that's uh, just the breaks (laughs) right maybe you don't want orange and yellow maybe you do these are what the colors of your flowers are today (laughs) um but I, I have a very strong memory of that, which wasn't even competition. It just keeps coming into my head. So I, I had to share so I could get okay. on competition. Um, but I will say <laughs> I I did well at that art experience. I never had any illusion that I was going to become an artist. Okay. Uh, because I was not my talent. Because very, not to, that many years after that, I was constantly being like, yeah, no, Sarah.
0: Oh, so people like took the time to tell you you'd never be a winner at art.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, by fifth grade, definitely.
0: And did you like internalize that as a form of competition?
1: Um, No, because I knew that that was not like, I was like, yeah, I know I'm not good at it, but I'm having fun and we have to be at art class because I'm still in elementary school. So, mm-hmm. okay. Let's just both agree that I can, this, I'll do my best and I'm not gonna win and that's okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you were doing well, you had other skills, right?
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> <That sounds laughs> I mean, you had other skills, right? Like <laughs> what I meant by that horribly awkwardly asked <laughs> question is you had other things that you would excel at and people would compliment you on, right?
1: Right. So it I was wasn't also like you going were like, to ballet class and learning about things like the court of ballet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. So you're like between ballet and tissue paper art, uh-huh. I clearly have more natural talent
1: yes yeah, so i was better at being a waltzing flower than i yeah. was at making a tissue paper flag
0: these are all, these are all great and intriguing but why do they come well, to your I mean, mind for competition
1: or they, they, being it,
0: winners and losers
1: um because you, we're talking about the macaroni art and i just needed <laughs> to share about my tissue paper art just okay. i had to share so back to competition um i certainly i mean it's certainly very early in elementary school um for like I mean, there's there's always the like winners and losers of being picked for teams or things, or being picked for friends. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, uh, I I
0: didn't expect the perfect comic delivery of you know dodgeball having friends.
1: Um, I'm gonna say probably you know probably early like PE classes or things like that or where it first really came into my mind um and honestly you brought up spelling bees um spelling bees oh yeah Uh, we had that same second grade teacher who was fairly harsh and known to throw an eraser or two um (laughs) at the chalkboard not at the kids okay uh usually (laughs) but
0: why because you like spelled bureau wrong or something
1: um no but she was she was just a very harsh teacher in general but she like i here's the thing that I remember very specifically is, you know, we would say we had to do months. You would have to make sure that you would be like, capital M-A-R-C-H. And like, if you forget to spell pap- capital, you'd be like, sit down. Okay. Is, so and there then- was a lot of competition inst- instilled in that. And you were good or not as kind of a human, I think, in her eyes on how well you did at the spelling competition within our little class. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, wh- When do you remember feeling good or feeling bad because you won or you lost things like do you remember any specific moments like did were you great at the spelling bee did you win and and how did that did you enjoy it
1: (laughs) (laughs) um i i was decent at it i was i was not that i remember like the winner um for me it was a little bit more like if i made a mistake that i like i forgot to say a capital f for february um (laughs) I would, when I, it was more of that internal challenge for myself of like, ah, Sarah, you could have done better.
0: And you were like, capital F. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know you were not swearing.
1: Oh, right. <laughs> um,
0: so you, you were seeing it as a, a, uh, what I, this is just my bias. So I'm yeah. just going to say it, a healthy challenge in yourself. It wasn't about uh, Steve or, or Lydia beat me or whatever.
1: Um, for that one, no. That one was more about myself. Um, you know, certainly if there are like certain kids got chosen to do a fun project or something, um, I would feel bad if I wasn't chosen. Okay. And it wouldn't even necessarily be like it meant anything. But if I'm not thinking of great examples, then I'm I'm sorry for that, um, at least not from early on. But I, I know it was very much there early on, at least as a there is the existence of competition, but not necessarily as one person is the winner and the rest are losers. Okay,
0: yeah. All right, that makes sense. When I tried to think of the earliest idea of competition that I was aware of, like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I saw, you know, game shows and it was just like, well, that's the thing that's on the television. But when I really tried to remember the first burn of feeling like I was in a competition and I lost, that there's going to be a winner and loser, this is so dumb, but this is honestly what came to mind. Is uh my brother three years older, um playing the the game of do you like you know Star Wars? And Me saying yes and like will that and why don't you marry it? <laughs> 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 and feeling that sting of being a fool.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I the whatever the thing is that leads up to you ate the sandbox.
0: <laughs> I don't know that one.
1: What is it like? I I won the sandbox. I two the sandbox. Okay. And if you you start by saying like I won the sandbox, now you go.
0: I won the sandbox. No, you
1: two the sandbox. You
0: two the sandbox.
1: You would say I two.
0: I two won the sandbox.
1: I two the sandbox.
0: I two the sandbox.
1: I three the sandbox. I
0: four the sandbox.
1: I five the sandbox. I six the the sandbox. I seven the sandbox. I ate the sandbox. Ha ha! You ate the sandbox. now i
0: just feel joy i feel like we shared something
1: (laughs) but i like a lot of times it was not just in groups of two so it was harder to tell who was going to end up eating the sandbox and i remember not not feeling happy when i ate the sandbox (laughs) somebody's cat had probably peed in there like gross
0: yeah yeah uh (laughs) that's that's mine oh that makes sense that makes sense (laughs) Uh, I think for myself, and uh, in, in honestly, maybe that is, this is some of where the bias comes from, is I think like you, I had things that I was complimented for when I was young. Uh, like I remember in kindergarten being complimented for, uh, for my drawing mm-hmm. and then uh, being not so complimented for things like uh, sports or uh, I believe it was first grade when I uh, figured out that anything divided by anything else is zero <laughs> and handed it like my first division of math like I don't know why this is so easy they're all zero <laughs> and the teacher was like uh no no um and I mean some of that is just like learning and growing stuff yeah. but the stuff that in that became about competition and mm-hmm. you know I think you said it really well is sports <laughs> and social circles social circles could be really, really cruel. But I remember being, you know, not picked for things or, you know, really being mocked for uh, not doing well at a sport. And I think just in being internalized really early on that uh, I didn't have any opportunity to sort of compete with any of the skills that I was naturally good at. Uh, it, it, was, it felt nice to be complimented and it felt nice to be like, If there was a drawing assignment that people were like, oh, I want to work with with him Mm -hmm. versus if there was a sports like stuck with him Mm -hmm. and you start to internalize like it feels great to be (laughs) wanted and it feels really bad to not be wanted. And I think uh, I think some of those early experiences for me uh, with competition and with the just straight up like you know, you, you're you a loser on a losing team and you made us lost and you suck and you have no value. Um, internalized that a, a connection between losing and rejecting, being rejected on like a very visceral level. Mm, yeah, And I think various life experiences, good and bad, have sometimes reinforced that where I am very aware that I can be an extremely competitive person. And where some of this is coming from is like, I'm so much happier when it's not competitive. When even if you're doing something competitive, like playing a board game or, you know, a trivia game or competing for a job, that I want to be able to see it in this grander way of everyone is trying their best. It sounds like such a cliche, but like, did, did we have fun? Did we discover something? Did we challenge something about ourselves because I don't like that anger that I feel. Mm. I don't like that, okay, everything about what I was actually doing disappeared. And all I care about is winning. The thing that I'm doing disappeared. So now it's not about one of these things that I liked doing. Right. Now it's just about being the winner. Mm-hmm. Because that sort of that that uh, very deep, almost primal that I don't want to feel the shame and anger of losing. And I think maybe for other people have had life experiences where, you know, they they are really rewarded by crushing the competition. Mm-hmm. And there's so much, you know, it's fun, but there's so much of that. And so much of our entertainment that's about competition is the smack talk. And it's really, really fun. It's great entertainment. And if everybody is having a good time, it's great. But the second that it be- starts to become real of like the value of this is not the actual thing I'm doing. The value is the feeling I have when I destroy someone. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> that that really scares me <laughs> for maybe obvious reasons. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh. So I just I'm curious to see how much of this is kind of uh, trying trying to see through my own filter and understand by asking you. Yeah. Do you ever feel those kinds of like? What do you feel when you lose? What does it feel like when you are when it is a direct competition? And you lose.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, for me, honestly, it depends a lot on the situation. Um, I certainly remember having that feeling um, at board games of really not wanting to lose because I feeling like it was a judgment upon me as a person.
0: Like your value. My value. Like, like if your battleship got sunk.
1: Exactly. <laughs> you're a bad person. Exactly. <laughs> because I could never win at Monopoly, I am a bad person. You know, things like that. Um, yeah. Battleship's a good example. Um Or other ones that I was good at, like I was good at Mastermind. And so like, okay, then I'm, (laughs) then I have worth. Um, (laughs) But I don't know that I, for me, it was in very specific instances when it would come up. And and I honestly do think like board games would be one of them. And a lot of other places, I think there are a lot of other places for me where it it just didn't come up as much. Yeah. Um, Maybe because I was being oblivious. (laughs) entirely possible um just in my own head about things sometimes well do you think
0: um uh do you think that uh, some of it was maybe just what the behavior that you saw demonstrated or that you were taught do you think that that made a big impact that oh
1: definitely definitely yeah. i think um kind of the idea of sharing and not always having winners and losers um certainly had a big impact. I think that was an idea that certainly was instilled in me strongly by my parents. Okay. Um, and you know, my brother and I had sibling rivalry, but he was my big brother and I really liked him. So, yeah. you know, there wasn't that same sort of, um, like sibling sibling fighting that I think, um, competing. I think yeah. there wasn't, there wasn't that. Um, and i i didn't dance a lot when i was super young um i didn't start dancing till a little bit older in in dance terms but that's all group and so you right. know i had i was in you know group you know i i took like you know ballet tap when i was 6 and so we did our group recital and then I stopped for a few years. And then when I came back, it, then it, by then actually, honestly, it was a little bit more competitive because you wanted to move to the next level. You wanted to get cast in the shows. and that. But it was never the blinding drive, but it was sometimes the like, okay, I need to figure out how to get really good at this.
0: Right, right. Um,
1: but the other thing I was going to say that I was in a lot of um, were choirs, Ooh. which is also group.
0: Right. So so
1: I had a lot, of, a lot of the activities that I enjoyed that brought me joy and a sense of belonging were group activities where you have to do them together. And if you don't, then you are failing.
0: <laughs> right. So
1: like you have to sing at the same as best you can when you're a kid, like the best, the same volume um, and sing the right notes. And so maybe there's solos or whatnot. But for the most part, you know, kids' choirs, the ones that I was in were largely the group singing together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. That's really great. Yeah. Uh, I think you maybe started to answer this next question, but I want to hear more because um, I do want to highlight the the side of competition I think is great is when you are, when it isn't about beating anyone else, it's just about you doing the best that you can do and maybe challenging yourself uh, to do better or to do something you haven't done before. Mm-hmm. What kind of uh, examples do you have from your own life of times where that was really, really what happened of like. Yep, this is structured as a competition or whatever. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, I'm going to get the job or not. I'm going to get in the choir or not. But I, this is really about me. And I, it's not about whether the other person wins or loses. It's just about me trying to do my very best.
1: Yeah. Okay, here's a weird one for you. Um, <laughs> I hate I mean, the sandbox. <laughs> not, not we- it's not actually a weird one, but it's uh, weird to me. I ran, I don't remember what year it was. Um I ran track one year. Really? Yeah, I don't know if you knew that.
0: I'm sure I knew it at one point.
1: Yeah. Um so I was running track and I was I was not great. I was not horrible. I was very much in that like middle middling uh, ability. Okay. And but I wanted to go out for a sport and it was one that I enjoyed. Um And I was not a good sprinter. Yeah. And they put me in some of the sprints. Like, because you need somebody to come in last? Okay. (laughs) Um, But I was relatively good at the medium distance. But I was never going to win. Yeah. I was never going to come in first or second. I knew this wasn't my you know career path my dance teacher was mad at all of her dancers that were in track because she was worried it was going to ruin their needs (laughs) um because there were quite a few of us that overlapped between at that time between track and ballet there should have been Um, a combo
0: a ballet race
1: (laughs) (laughs) um so that was one for me that was just kind of um from what i take from it now like i still got into the competition of it and it Was not crushed when I think I did come in second to last in the sprint and still tried to do my part for the relays because I was part of a team. But um, for the ones that I was in for myself where I could just know I was going to be doing, I wasn't going to make a fool of myself. I wasn't going to win. But how can I do better for myself? Right. And really just like find my rhythm, find what brings joy or pleasure to me. Like, why am I doing this? Um, So that's my my. Let me give you an example for once. It's not dance. <laughs> yeah, but it, to me, it's, but it's honestly, it's really stuck with me of the idea of like, no, I was fine at that. Wasn't great. Wasn't horrible. I was fine for a lot of reasons. Didn't pursue it. But, um, but I also feel like I really learned a lot from that experience. Yeah, that's great
0: to just say like this is a thing that I haven't done before. And, uh, and I want to do it and finding a way to just focus on that part of it. And I would imagine that you were in a circumstance where it wasn't like all eyes are on you and if like you approached it as I just want to do a good job, I'm not really expecting to win. And I imagine that you didn't have anyone in your life who is going to be hard on you for saying, for for approaching it that way.
1: Yes. And yeah, and that's actually, I think, a huge point. Like I I was either in eighth or ninth grade, probably eighth grade. So it's not like I was, you know, varsity traveling across the state of Iowa at that point um, was where I lived. Um, and my parents, like I said, were very, su- very supportive um, and not in a very supportive, like, look, this is a thing you're good at or this is a thing you enjoy and that's great and that's wonderful and we support you. And I'm so appreciative to have had super duper supportive parents. They were not, they, you know, if I were really into volleyball and winning they would have been very supportive of that too like and if whatever i was doing was about winning i think they would have been supportive of that but to them me showing success in life or showing that i was enjoying life was not about winning yeah Um, because that's not really where either of them came from in their lives neither of them were you know like baseball players that needed to win or i'm not giving good examples like they were both also (laughs) musical artistic people you know that kind of thing
0: yeah, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I think that's such a great example. I love that. Um, there are times we talked about where competition is uh, just baked into the structure of of our society. Mm-hmm. There's only one job opening, or you know, winning an election, which <laughs> I guess is the same thing as uh, having only one job opening, or you know, from our kind of artsy world, like applying for a grant. It's not you know intended to be a competition, but there are only so many slots, so yeah. by default, it is a competition. Totally, uh, but it's not the kind of competition where afterwards the people who didn't get the grant are going to be interviewed on television and people are going to ask them, where did you go wrong in your grant writing?
1: (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. That might be coming.
0: If there was more interest, there would be, you know, (laughs) so you think you're a grant writer, you know, on television. that'd be amazing. uh, Which is a whole thing. Uh, Do you feel like that's the way it has to be? Like, we were talking about this whole participation trophy thing and and to be generous with that, I think that fear of, I don't want to teach children that, Everybody always gets to win because that's not the way life is going to treat you. And I want you to be ready for that, to be generous to that perspective. And then there are all these things where, yep, no, only so many people are going to get certain opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you feel like that is just the way our society has to be or should some of those structures be reexamined? I know that's a real big question.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that there are some that can be reexamined um because i i feel like reexamining it is good to do now and again and have different people thinking about it and think about if there are different structures but i do feel like there are some structures that you are just going to have to have like you're hiring for one job you only have the budget to hire one person right you can't just have to hire 20 people right you have to hire one person um or like for a a play you have to have that audition. Um, and you can only have one person play the part, or maybe you're double casting it. so you get to have two people play the part, but you can't have, unless you're doing a different take on it, 50 people, you know, play Macbeth. Yeah. Um, and I do think some of that is, is good. And, um, one example, if I may, please, is when I was auditioning again sometime, don't remember what middle school, high school, somewhere in there. Um, community theater that I'd done quite a few plays with um was doing Anne of Green Gables yeah and I was so excited I loved the books I <laughs> loved the play I related so much to Anne of Anne of Green Gables um and and I had had other good parts in this production so it wasn't like I had only been like a you know a singing person in the background who okay. had never had a lead before
0: in this you said in this production you've been a company?
1: With this company. Got it. Um and so I really, 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 really wanted to be Anne. Yeah. And I didn't get it. Maybe because I wasn't the right part for it. Also because I was a foot taller than everybody else in the <laughs> production. So I got cast as the teacher.
0: Really? Oh yeah. Okay. Yes,
1: I got I got cast by height a lot. Um I was I was often the adult and not <laughs> Um but... I just
0: picture you looking at a suit and a briefcase and going, damn it, not again.
1: <laughs> it's time to be young. Um but I remember being absolutely heartbroken yeah um because and i think i think actually the because the director knew that i had really wanted this part i think we had talked about it that this is what she was going to do next and i was like oh i really want to play Anne." and of course she would never say like oh yes yeah um but i had you know knew her considered her a friend um you know a friend of the family and just it just kind of blinds. I think she did say something about, like, well, Sarah, for one thing, you're too you t- taller than everybody else, you can't be that much taller. Like, but, but,
0: but <laughs> use your imagination, <laughs>
1: that's right. Isn't that like discrimination somehow? <laughs> Come we on, We can't
0: stage this in a theater, the, <laughs> they aren't actually Green Gables. We like <laughs> use your imagination.
1: Um, but it was a great lesson for me to have to go through that to have it be a thing that I had really wanted and had admitted to myself that i wanted because i was um this was my workaround, like for myself as i often just wouldn't admit to myself that i wanted things and that way if i didn't get them i wouldn't feel the rejection of it
0: <laughs> uh i yeah that makes a lot of sense as, as your partner
1: uh-huh. <laughs> not surprising to you i think <laughs> but this is one that i had admitted not only to myself but to other people that i mm. really wanted it so then, right so you really so put yourself like a out there face thing yeah yeah um but it was such a good i mean this is i guess the lesson of competition like it was such a good growing experience for me to have to go through that and to be like to be okay to get to wear awesome suits and hats and briefcases as miss stacy um and have a very good time with it in the end, and to have had to go through that process.
0: Yeah. How did? What kind of support did you get, or what kind of reaction did you get when you didn't get the part that you wanted?
1: Um, my parents shared in my outrage. <laughs> okay, now have I wish I there had been interviews. <laughs> super supportive Post-audition
0: parents. interviews.
1: But, you know, like, within the con- the safe place of our house. Um, right. And also, we're very supportive of the fact that this is, you know, what I needed to do. But, you right. know, they, they let me... And shared with me that moment of um, outreach, grief. You know, I kind of went through the whole process. Yeah. Um,
0: did you feel like you did everything that you could do to land the role of Anne? Or did you spiral into any sort of like, I, I made this misstep in my audition or that kind of thing?
1: This one, I from what I remember, I, I felt like I nailed it. <laughs> There's certainly other things in life where I'm like, I really wanted that, but I did all these things wrong. So eh, fair enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So this is another, you've got just, I think maybe what we're learning here on the podcast, <laughs> which shouldn't be a revelation, is you are perhaps more emotionally healthy about this topic than I am.
1: <laughs> How about you? Did you have any um, experiences, because I've kind of turned you away from your actual question there, sorry, that really um, affected you? Uh, no, I think
0: that I think that's I think you are laying out some of my thoughts and really helping me examine how I feel about this is like, a, you know, we were talking about structures or just like that's that's the way we structure this because we we have we're building a society. And, and yeah, we can't have uh, 25 people uh, play Anne in the same production we can. It will be a very, very inventive production and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always another answer. Um, and I think for myself. What I'm feeling is I don't mind for myself setting a goal and failing Mm -hmm. because there is the matter of, oh, did I, did I actually make a mistake and can I learn and grow from it? Mm -hmm. Then there is the, did I do absolutely everything I could? And then this is a healthy lesson of just sometimes things just aren't in your control and that it didn't matter that you did the absolute best job that you could do it. It's just not going to happen this time and you can learn to accept that. I think the part of all of this that starts to get to me is when there is a focus on the losing Mm. and the either, uh, Definitely, definitely the, the 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 shame and the rejection and, and people making you feel bad or laughing at you. I think that that I think there's a reason that both of our minds went to dumb little verbal games. Yeah. Where you fall into the trap and you you lost the uh, the verbal witticism game mm-hmm. by eating the sandbox <laughs> or marrying Star Wars. Uh, now, as an adult, yeah, if I could marry Star Wars, I, I would love to be in in a large. <laughs> I'm gonna let that one go. Anyway, uh, the point being that I think where competition and I'm con- where my concerns about competition and my current obsession come is when someone has to. L- there has to be a focus on the losing. So, um, is there... so like in, in the example, like there, I, I, I can think of a show that I, because of things that I was were going on in my head, I really felt like I should get X role. Mm-hmm. And when I look back on it now, it was definitely like things were going on with me personally in, in with that interpersonal dynamic that felt like I deserve this role. It wasn't about the role. Mm-hmm. I didn't get the role. I was furious. But then I was still in the play. I got a different role and I had a great time. And when I look back <laughs> at that, like I didn't lose anything. I got to do a different part and I got to see things from a different perspective. And I got to take a step back and, you know, check myself emotionally in this situation. That's I don't know that that to me is all great. That's mm-hmm. growing in human. There isn't anything about that that starts to get that us versus them winner and loser paradigm. Uh, it doesn't matter how awesome you did. It's all for nothing. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is the part of it that I think starts to spill into our our consciousness. And we start acting on it without sometimes just culturally even realizing it. Mm-hmm. You know, about, you know, this is a super dumb example of that. But like when you're a- at the airport and they make it super, super clear, we're going to call people in, in these groups In order to get on the plane, please don't stand up. But everyone has the instinct to line up first, to get on the plane first for what? Mm -hmm. What is the victory of that? It's the elements of competition that that make it harder for us to appreciate ourselves and our needs as individuals while also appreciating that we're a part of a larger society and a larger organism. Like Mm -hmm. no one wins and loses by getting on or off a plane. (laughs) Uh, So why don't we just do it? In a calm, orderly way. And for me, it's because we've got that instinct of, I'm going to sit down first. This person isn't going to get in front of me. And I think that's the, the, the examples where competition seeps into our life. So as we're going through what competition has meant in our lives, I'm really recognizing what kinds of competition I think lead towards that a corrosive us versus them. If I lost something, it means somebody took something from me. Mm. Or if I'm giving something... It means I'm a chump and I'm losing something. Any any sort of structures that lend toward that mentality of mm-hmm. there's a winner and a loser and there's no gray area. And like in our, both of our casting examples, there are gray areas. You got to be an adult. What a fun gray area. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or, so what you did still had value. It wasn't like you didn't get Anne. So why are you even here? Number two is the same as being loser.
1: Right. Right. And I still got to be in the play. Like yeah. you did. Like, yes, got yeah. to be. In the, yeah. yeah.
0: I now I think I didn't quite answer your question.
1: No, I I feel like you did absolutely with the your example about the play. And it's interesting about the the focus on you know like are you are you giving up something? I'm curious, do you think part of it like with our like our very modern world? Mm-hmm. Say for example, um, TV shows in particular that have winners and losers you know whether it's america's got talent or survivor or any of these do you think part of it for you is the focus on the loser like the interviews with the losers of like how do you feel you've worked so hard but you're now you're done and there's this uh, almost like judgment that's being put upon this person who's just done an amazing thing yeah um that this was all they were doing yeah. Do you th- is that kind of where it's? Yeah. I feel like maybe it's coming from for you kind of the idea that that this person didn't win and therefore they are nothing.
0: Yeah. I get that in entertainment and in sports. Uh, you know, I know this from being a writer and, and the, the, the notes have always raised the stakes. It's higher stakes. It's more entertaining to say. Everything comes down to this. It's this kick or this. A performance of your song or it's it's down to what howie and mandel thinks and all your it's all in it's mm-hmm. this or go home with nothing those stakes are dr- so dramatic and so great for entertainment but when you internalize that and to go back to like our bread example or our audition <laughs> example to think like that all that talent that you showed is worthless hmm And, you know, uh I think with entertainment in particular, um it also chafes that the the winner and loser dynamic leads toward gatekeeping. Mm. And like sometimes that like we're talking about that that has to happen. There's a casting uh director or, you know, or there's a um in uh, you know a a board that is hiring a position and there's mm-hmm. only one position, and those people have to decide, but when I watch, you know, re- certain reality shows, particularly ones where they've developed it, is it is a form of the entertainment that at least one or two of the judges are assholes that are there to deride your talent and there to be gatekeepers and to say that is good and that is bad. That to me is so corrosive to. We are all a big part of a society, and we're all individuals, and we have individual skills and talents that are going to be valuable to other people. They don't have to be valuable to other people, to everybody. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be the best to have value. And then to see a, you know, a panel of four people saying, basically you have no value, but this person has all the value. It's great entertainment, but what does that do to your mind? If you absorb everything, Mm-hmm. So much of society of win it all. Howie Mandel, it's Howie Mandel, right? Uh, approves of you. I feel like I'm accidentally exactly. saying the wrong name and attacking the wrong person. Anyway, <laughs> uh, approves of you. This one person approves of you. Yeah. Or or just yeah, you know, you know. Yeah. You lost it all.
1: So you're saying when you when you watch that a lot, or when you take that um, that overview and apply it to other parts of your life.
0: I, uh, yeah, I guess the yes when you actively apply it to your life, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, well, we'll say I want to. I want to kind of wrap up the conversation with a little bit of like, what do we think about where that goes? Okay. If you if you really internalize, yeah. winner versus loser always. Yeah. But just with your, I, I want to ask you about the arts. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, casting and all that. Um, but I think in general there's a a, a little bit in the art world, Mm -hmm. let's say movies, right? Movies come out and people choose to go or not. And so we rank their success by box office score. We rank their success by, uh, you know, how many critics like them on, you know, sites like rotten tomatoes. Uh, then we rank them by award shows. So numbers get attached to them and something can be the number one movie in America, you know, the Mm -hmm. number one movie in the world, the biggest, whatever the most uh, Emmys or the most Oscars ever, all that stuff. Um, I think within that, there's still a general like, hey, maybe for you, the year that Paddington 2 came out, you don't give a damn what anybody else thinks that was the best movie in the world. So there's there's room for art to be subjective, but mm-hmm. there is lots of stuff around art that is dancing toward competition to mm-hmm. ranking towards this. It was the biggest box office or, 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 or if it tanked at the box office, maybe five, ten years from now, it will become a cult classic and people will see it, its actual value, and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. How, how do you feel about how art meets with competition? It, yeah. it, again, is that just a necessary reality of, like, well, for a, movie, for a movie to be successful, it needs to make money, so we report on the money, and then it becomes <laughs> a fun thing to talk about and a fun thing to, you know, debate about the weekend before of which movie is going to beat the other one at the box office. Do you yeah. feel like that's just like that's just the way it is, that's natural, or do you think we haven't a, a focus too much on art winning and losing?
1: I think there's a little bit of both. I think um, you know, especially beer movies are coming from companies, and companies do need numbers. Um, but I think there's also a sense of people, some people more than others, but You know, there is this desire to be able to quantify quality. Yes. And so things like reviews, box office numbers, awards are all a way to be able to, I think, both quantify and also compare quality to say like, oh, well, I liked this movie. And these other people who work in this industry or give awards in this industry also liked this movie. So therefore, I have good taste. Yes. So I think there's that level of like personal competition um, but I feel like there's also a fair number, especially f- maybe for people who are watching movies for whatever they don't they don't care about the Oscars or they don't follow the box office numbers they're like I really want to see action movies, so I'm just going to go see action movies and I like what I like or what yeah. my circle of friends likes, or I really only go see you know art house film and you know i have my own way of judging it so i think there's a wide range in there and i think it is an interesting combination of companies needing data um companies needing marketing vehicles to be able to market their films right so every time they have something that is something quantifiable whether it's an award or box office then they can use that as um as spin as leverage for their marketing so that either this movie does well or the next movie does better as well as to keep them afloat financially. So I, th- I think it's an interesting combination of how much of it is necessity and how much of it is just the way like people as a group is a groupthink.
0: think. Right. Group or just like there, there are, you know, uh, so many movies and only so many are going to be seen. So they, there has to be a way to sort of elevate them mm-hmm. to, Yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. In, in terms of, um, uh, l- let me think of the right way I want to say this. Um, do you ever get affected by that? Like, it's one by by oh. movies being ranked. D- does it affect you? Uh, by being ranked by box office or Rotten Tomato score?
1: Absolutely. Um, there's plenty of movies that I like a lot that um do not do not get ranked well <laughs> um and and i think i've kind of come to my own terms with that at the, by this point in my life and i'm sure there'll be other movies where i'm like oh the, i'll go through this cycle again but um you know where there is that sense of like oh am i just is it something about me that i like this movie and other people don't is that is that saying something negative about me mm. and my taste yeah um and, you know, sometimes, you know, like there's plenty of movies that I associate with certain times in my life. I don't think they're the best films, but I really like them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think it it absolutely does affect me. And also, I mean, there are a lot of, like you said, there's only there's only so much time. And so a lot of times there will be a long list of movies. And, you know, like if we're watching the Academy Awards and like, oh, well, this one looks interesting and. You know, people seem to really respect it, so maybe that's when I'll bump higher up on the list yeah. than I would have otherwise.
0: Yeah, I think that's all under- really understandable. I think some of my obsession with competition, uh, sort of dovetails with my obsession with I want us to separate subjective and objective mm-hmm. as a society more. And and again, I totally recognize like the fun of it, but like debating, you know, which you, gangster movie is is the best? You know, is is the best of all time? Godfather or Goodfellas or like. Why can't we just enjoy them? Because they're, you know, two different films and everybody will enjoy them for different reasons at different times. And I feel like that, we, we were so muddy about stating our opinions as facts. Mm. And I feel like, one, it, it, it closes down conversation, because if you should tell somebody this, you know, is the, the best Star Trek show ever made, period. And anybody who thinks uh, otherwise is wrong, and, then the conversations over but if you say i personally love deep space nine because here's what happened to me when i first saw it and how it connected to my life and what i love about it then it, then the person who's like i really don't like deep space nine can at least like have a conversation with you and we can yeah. kind of like again that to me it gets back to that idea of respecting that lots of things have a value and nothing needs to to be number one, in unless we're in these really specific situations where something mm-hmm. does need to be number one. And then I think on the other side of that, if you start making opinions, facts, then you can start feeling like facts are opinions, which <laughs> we are clearly wrestling with yeah, right now, Definitely. right? If yeah. you can objectively determine, you know, which uh, uh, movie of any kind is the you know, which is the very best Keanu Reeves movie ever, and it can be a fact in your mind. Mm -hmm. Well, then why can't a disease be subjective in your mind?
1: (laughs) No, I think I agree. I think it is a very, very dangerous to not be able to tell the difference between subjective and objective yeah i think Um, they're
0: both winners subjective and objective i like them both
1: yeah they're both they both have value (laughs) i'm gonna agree with you both deserve a participation trophy they do they both deserve to stay on the table (laughs) as um independent things that sometimes overlap but are not the same yeah 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 do you feel like maybe one of the i think you kind of touched on this just now but one of the the details um i just want to pull out on a a thread that you're talking about with winning versus losing, um, say for the example of movies or TV shows, that it stops conversation. Yeah. And that maybe that's one of the reasons that you're kind of thinking through all this about competition is you want to be able to have conversations about things and not have it just be like, yes, good, no, bad, but find, explore the nuance.
0: Yeah, explore the nuance so that You can even start to understand one another instead of, you know, I'm right, you're wrong, is a little bit of the winner-loser paradigm Mm -hmm. to me. And if that is about, uh, you know, a movie, if that is about a social issue, you know, and and social issues become much more complicated uh, and all that, but, uh, or I'm right and you're wrong and it's uh, verifiable (laughs) Fact. Right. <laughs> and one person is an expert and the other isn't. Like all these things to me do just start to break down into the winner loser paradigm. And that I think is, is part of the reason I'm like, well, what about all five of these loaves of bread are awesome in their own way? I guess I guess this whole podcast is to say I'm really into participation trophy <laughs> philosophy and I think that's actually a really good idea and that we should make more room for that. Yeah. Um yeah. All right, I got another question for okay. you. Okay. Um in terms of because I do, I, I do. I know I started out with a caveat of I'm not critiquing uh, and saying these competition is bad, period, and we shouldn't enjoy it. I'm really not coming after sports. Mm-hmm. I totally get that. Uh, how many people in the world love it and how many people that I've talked to who are such big fans of sports really do celebrate it as a journey of, hey, I'm I'm challenging myself to do my best and I'm working with a team and we're all together trying to do our best in the structure we're in means the only way to prove you're the best is to win. And there's got to be a winner and a loser. And that's the stakes. Like I get that. And I respect that. I'm not criticizing it in and of itself. Right. It's all the different little ways it's permeating our culture. Mm-hmm. So with that said, are there, what what kind of competitions do you enjoy as a form of entertainment? Do you, uh, do you like sports? Uh, do you like quiz shows? Do you like reality television? What kind of things do you legitimately enjoy partially because there is a winner and loser
1: mm. um I mean I do I do occasionally enjoy watching I'm not a big sports watcher as you know you live here with me I do but I do enjoy watching um, certainly some sports more than others um, I randomly two weeks ago was sitting on the couch not capable of doing a lot and With the sound off, was watching part of a um, soccer, football, depending on where you live, match and found it so incredibly enjoyable. Yeah. And it was great and very fun. And, uh, you know, it is a competition. And and I was enjoying that. And I was, you know, hoping people would get goals. I wasn't invested enough to be like super rooting for one team over the other.
0: So you're happy when they both got goals. I was.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But if it were something that I were following, you know that. I could, I totally could fall into that. It's just the type of thing that I sometimes have to not let myself get into too many things because I just don't have enough time. Yeah. Um. So I would say that's um that is one type of thing that I do really really enjoy. Um. The little bit of um. Why am I blanking on the name? The baking competition. The Great British Bake Off. Yes. Um. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. And there is a winner. And yeah. you know like. You all have to be pretty good to get on there. Um, and so I don't feel like any of the losers are truly losers. But I but it does have a, a winner structure, and I do really enjoy that as well.
0: Yeah. And I think we, we did a bonus episode about that because we watched a bunch of the holiday yeah. ones. And it, everybody told me Great British Bake Off is so gentle because it's not, you know, they don't really push on the competition. And I still struggled with it a little bit. There were one or two cakes where I was like, that's an awesome cake shut up who, who are you to who are you to judge that
1: cake? yeah like, it was uh, still stressful
0: they're experts but I, I think I just really had this intrinsic um, I, I do like things for their competition I really enjoy uh, uh, watching the Super Bowl every year I enjoy watching the uh, Oscars and the Emmys I enjoy following uh, what movie you know quote unquote won the box office I enjoy. Uh, playing board games or doing, you know, trivia contests, where like, yep. The point is, there is going to be some in, in in many respects, winner and losers. But I think it just so crave at, for people to see one another more richly and to enjoy a diversity of of talents and skills. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean, it, it, the Great British Bake Share, <laughs> we're just like, here's the weird thing I made. Here's the weird thing I made. <laughs> And you, you know, I know that we have this instinct to want to be like, oh, but that, that's so flat and boring. You got to have a winner, you know. And I know that we have this in us. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if people would watch the Great British Bake Share, which is like, yeah, you know. And then the judges make up, you know, uh, it could even be a little passive aggressive, like best cake that fell apart. You know, <laughs> they, they could even be passive aggressive. They could acknowledge yeah. Yeah. successes and failures, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be so, yeah. Clearly I have issues. Great British Bake Off is not a super aggressive competition (laughs) show and I still struggle with it.
1: But I would enjoy watching the, uh, the awards that people would be given on your show as well. Okay.
0: (laughs) Well, no one will probably watch my show because competition, uh, (laughs) in stakes raise the stakes. Okay. So let's talk about some of the big picture stuff as we start to, to wrap up here. Yeah. Um, if you accept that even on a, on a subconscious level, uh, you assume that someone is always the winner and someone is always the loser. How do you think that changes if you're walking through life with that filter, even if you're not aware of it? How do you think that changes your day-to-day behavior or your outlook?
1: Mm. Um, well, I would assume that if you are walking through life that way, you probably want to be the winner you're probably not walking through life saying, I want to be the loser. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, it kind of comes back to one of the things that you'd said early on that I'd forgotten about. But I, if I kind of try to put myself in those shoes, I feel like it gives you a lot less empathy for the people around you, quite literally, like the people you're walking past on the street. If you bump into them, you might not notice or care or think they should move out of the way, even though there's nothing, no place for them to go because they're next to a wall. Um, but i just kind of that approach, you know, kind of just taking it to a heightened level. Um, I, th- I feel like that might be one of the first things to go is, is empathy for the people around you.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I worry about is I think even in moments in society where in my opinion, uh, and obviously, doing a podcast about competition i'm not saying my opinion is is truth it's my (laughs) opinion like uh, moments or social programs that are meant to help one person i think sometimes there's a like but if that person is getting something they must be taking something from me like i had a joke this is a weird connection to make Mm -hmm. i had a joke in a uh in a play that was at the minnesota fringe festival which is a place that celebrated lots of art but still really made a point of telling you who was the best-selling show. <laughs> That's just who we are uh, as humans, uh, I guess. Um, and I wasn't sure if, if the joke was going to be, be kind of too inside baseball to the comedy world or if we would get a good response. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a play about people auditioning for something, and it was a, very much like, it, it kind of about some of these issues. Some people who are just like, I would love this if it happened, and other people who are much more uh, um, nihilistic and like, you no, know, it's it's win or lose, you know, it's dog eat dog. And there was a joke about why would a comedian ever be upset that another comedian got a laugh, and the sort of nihilistic person said, Well, the truth is there are only so many laughs in the world, and if somebody else gets one, they're taking one from you. And that was kind of a joke that I ha- I had made, and I think I I you know talked about with friends, and and we kind of laughed at like the ugly truth of how sometimes people feel that way, and I was shocked that the joke really landed mm-hmm. in the show, which made me say like, oh, I people recognize this that we we quantify things that we have an endless supply of like laughter <laughs> and fear. That that to me just gets to that heart of finding these moments where there doesn't need to be a winner and loser, but something in us makes it that way. Yeah. Whether it's you know that that fear that we talked about of like not wanting to feel, you know, the shame or the anger or the the hurt of losing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and so so you're you're always on the defensive that somebody's going to try to do something to you or take something from you, or if it is that real, you know. Aggressive, like you you're not accomplishing anything unless you're accomplishing everything, you know wherever that's coming from, that is clearly a thing that is in the in the culture enough that a bunch of people recognized it and laughed at it,
1: yeah, oh yeah, absolutely,
0: yeah, um, do you have any other final thoughts as we start to wrap up the topic here?
1: Um, I feel like I've covered most of my thoughts,
0: okay. Excellent. So I, I want to share one, one more final thought. Please do. I want to make sure to say that uh, that to I know there was one time I was like, well, we'll come back to the end. So if there's anything that you want to come back to.
1: um, I Nothing that's that's sticking in my mind. Remember about that notepad? I've, <laughs> I've said the things that I remember to okay, say. Okay, good. Um, but I, I will throw out one other thing, just repeating what you have said that, um, you know, as much as uh, – that I, I actually – this has been really fun to think about um, the ways in which – I do enjoy competition more than I and competitive things, maybe more than I would have thought I'd do as a person, yeah, um has really has been very interesting to me during this last little bit of time,
0: okay, were you thinking about something that you enjoy more was this is just a the great how much you like the great british bake off?
1: yeah, just thinking about that and just thinking about some of the the other things that i I could really see myself getting into and enjoying. Um, and also, when you ask about the like if you only see things as winning versus losing, how much that just feels foreign to me
0: okay, yeah, yeah. I think we 've learned once again that you 're a very healthy person <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it, i I think the thing that I wanted to say, and I think we danced around talking about some political things and some things that are going on uh, i I try to be friendly to different points of view in everything uh obsessed i I am pretty, pretty honest about my own political leanings. And I think uh, one of the reasons that this has been on my mind a lot is I think we we frame politics in winning and losing. Partially because, you know, people get elected and they don't. But I think just really the issues that we are debating. And I think one of the things that's really important for me is that uh, I have lots of problems with the Democratic Party. And I don't, like, consider myself on team blue (laughs) because that's my team and i want to win i truly believe and obviously people can disagree and we can vote and then (laughs) there'll be a winner and loser but i truly believe that the majority of those policies will help the most people and that's what i want Mm. i don't want to win to win right i don't Mm. want anyone else to lose and i think that's maybe where some of this is is coming from as I I want to hold on to that perspective as much as possible of I do value the individual and pushing yourself to accomplish things and, and the needs and the integrity of the individual. But I also really want to just value the whole. And a lot of times things that we need to compete over are are because people have different ideas about like what's good for the whole. It's not that I want anyone to lose or that I want to win. Do you know what I mean? Yeah that makes yeah. sense or
1: no i th- i th- i feel like well, i mean uh, i i think that it does make a lot of sense <laughs> sorry <laughs> um because i mean i would put myself similarly that i that it is a lot of times there's conversation and nuance but ultimately there is also there are elections mm-hmm. and there are winners and losers and that that is the way the system is set up yeah um and so we need to for right now since that is the system we have use that system to try to make things in my opinion better for the most people
0: yeah yeah and i think just like things like you know climate change i don't want to win on the issue of climate change i mean i do but not to win it's because we all live on the planet and we will all die yeah i don't want uh, you know, the, the minimum wage raised because I think people like me will get more money and will take it from other people. I want us all to have more money. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want, you know, a, a billionaire to pay more taxes uh, because I want the billionaire to lose. Uh, Because honestly, if you have four hundred billion dollars and you lose half of it, you still have two hundred billion dollars. I would say you're a winner like those are some of those examples that for me like that just drive issues that are about like it's about everybody it's not but but there's so often I think fear yeah that people just immediately see an issue in various issues as winning and losing right and it's hard sometimes to see them is is the honest intent of this idea mm-hmm. to make things better for everybody
1: yes And I do want the USPS to be saved. I do want to win on that one because it makes things better for everybody. Right? Yeah. Stamps are awesome. Sure are.
0: I think stamps should be winners.
1: Everybody getting mail. Pretty awesome.
0: (laughs) Uh, Here's my final question in our main uh, area here. So we have a friend who always joked about having a relative, and this is from many years ago, a relative who had declared that she won Christmas. So here's my question. How do you win Christmas, Sarah?
1: <laughs> um, okay. Do you want the me answer? You win yeah. Christmas by making whatever thing you want to make and declaring yourself, the like say you're making a Christmas cake, Christmas pie, and then you get to give yourself an award. Like I have made <laughs> the best misshapen blueberries in my blueberry pie um and then (laughs) you get to um find the thing that means the most to you and did you hide it
0: from yourself in your house
1: (laughs) find it for yourself within your humanity Oh, okay okay um and I would
0: have taken any one of these, but you're going for a list.
1: <laughs> you get to do that thing, whatever the thing is that means the most to you, as long as it doesn't harm people. Um, and then you win Christmas. Okay. <laughs> I,
0: okay. I have to take notes for our next Christmas <laughs> that uh, I will have a misshapen Blueberry Award ready to go.
1: And here's my other answer. I'm going to make the best Christmas, new Christmas cocktail, and then I win Christmas.
0: Yeah. I Well, I will win Christmas, too. It'll be the best for both of us. Uh, we're going to do some quick plugs, and then we'll do our final questions. Uh, where can people find you on the social media?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Sarah underscore Scrimshaw and on Instagram at Scrimstreet. Excellent.
0: You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash Scrimshaw. And if you uh, want to help people out in these trying times, there are many great resources on the website, blacklivesmatter.com. All right. Ready for the final questions? I am. If you could ask a tree one question and it would answer, what would you ask the tree?
1: Will you be my friend? <laughs> Will you be my friend? <laughs>
0: that is great. I was afraid you are going to ask it the sandbox thing. <laughs> <laughs> if you could build anything out of Lego and it would come to life, what would you build?
1: Oh, my gosh. Um, I was going to say a robot, so I guess I'll just stick with that.
0: A small robot or a life-size robot?
1: I'm going to go with um, like a five-foot tall robot. I would
0: call that pretty life-size. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like... Big enough to move around. Also that way it's not if it's like walking around, it's you're not hiding behind furniture and you don't know, like you know where it is.
0: <laughs> and a little too tall to be cast as Anne of Green Gables, do you think?
1: <laughs> Probably perfect height.
0: Perfect, perfect. I
1: mean, it depends on the age of the other, on the height of the other people.
0: <laughs> the height of the other robots. Mm-hmm. What what kind of robot would it be? Would it be a robot with uh specific uh specialties?
1: Oh, yes, I hadn't even thought about this. It was just going to be like red and walk around. But um, I I wanted to wash dishes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: From the view from our podcast station, I I can understand why (laughs) why you would want that. I will be a dishwasher robot tonight. (laughs) I am washing the dishes like a robot. Um, As always, I like to begin uh, some of these uh, obsessed episodes uh, with caveats and with caveats again. Uh, these are our opinions as we talk through them, work through them. It's fun to talk about the big complex ideas. I know that there are many, many different aspects uh, to things like this. And, uh, and I always am excited to think about what other people think and want to hear and learn more. This was so great to talk to you, Sarah, and hear your relationship with competition. And for me to, kind of check myself of like <laughs> <laughs> what what are some of these uh, strong opinions because maybe they're observations about the world and what are what are the ones that are just coming more through my filter and I think I I think I learned a lot I think we both succeeded we don't need to win we both succeeded we did at the we, podcast I think
1: I learned a lot also <laughs> so I would say we both succeeded excellent
0: the final question on the podcast then is what is happiness
1: being friends with a tree <laughs>
0: That is our podcast.
1: You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed.
0: What is your tree friend's name?
1: It hasn't told me yet.
0: (laughs) We'll just live with the mystery.